0: Well, welcome to uh, Conversations About Life. And I'm glad to be here with Wendy Sapp, who has been the pastor of Compton Heights Baptist Church in St. Louis for quite a few years. Um, He was the pastor when my wife and I were married here, and you, Wendy, officiated our wedding. That was in 1986. And um, Wendy is married to Carol and has two sons, Casey and Carter. And what's interesting to me about Wendy is how he serves other people and he's a very friendly smiling person and I'm looking forward to this conversation So thanks for being here, Wendy. Great to be here with you Will. Thank you. Well, I guess just a, a, As a way to start out Could you say a few words about Compton Heights the church? Maybe give a description of the people the things that you value here the things that you do as a church? Well, I think uh, one of
1: the one of the things that attracted myself and and Carol and um, and then later our our boys about the church and about the community is the diversity. Um, we have enjoyed the the different kinds of people, and when we came to the church, and of course you were here at that time, so you will remember. Um, that um, we, we had both old and young, a lot of retired people in the church, and, um, but yet in a community that was a changing community as far as the, um, the geographics of the area, um, the church was just uh, beginning to be integrated and um, and then through the years, we have had uh, we've had Asian people that have um, had congregations in our church. And so we've had a, a, a good bit of diversity, and we have uh, really, really enjoyed uh, the, the different kinds of people, the different backgrounds of people. And we've watched the church change and the community change through the years. We, we came here in 1985. And so, um, we're looking at 34 years of transition in South St. Louis and, um, but the diversity is still very, very real. And Grand Avenue now is, uh, is a picture of, um, international activity in every kind of way, the people, the restaurants, the shopping, um, so, um, we, we've, we've greatly enjoyed the, the ministry and the diversity of the people, um, but the church has always had an atmosphere of uh, care and friendliness, and uh, we have enjoyed the the love of the congregation. and And I I think that one of the things that we have uh, worked on doing is is Strive to be a body of love in the Spirit of Christ and reaching out to people and reaching out to all kinds of people. It's been a great adventure. It's been a great adventure.
0: Is most of your congregation from right around here, you know, grand and this neighborhood? Um, Actually,
1: no. Okay. Um, And that's one of the things that's, that's changed a good bit. In, uh, in 1990, we had, um, we had some, we had two college girls that were sent to us through the home mission board to be our summer missionaries. The church has had summer missionaries for, for many years, not recently, but, but back several years ago, every summer we had summer missionaries. Um, but, um, in 1990, we decided to start a children's Bible club. We actually, uh, at first we called it Saturday Sunday School. And, um, we, we began to knock on doors in the community, inviting, um, children to come. And we were on this side of, which is the south side of Interstate 44, uh, doing most of our, attempts at in, enrolling people um, for this Children's Bible Club. We weren't getting very much response on this side of Interstate 44. And I had been on the on the north side of Interstate 44 a few times, had driven through there, 39th Street uh, runs right through there. A very, um, I would describe it as uh, low income, um, many families on uh, uh, government assistance, um, kind of a a drug infested community, lots of children, lots of um, uh, single parent homes, mainly mothers or grandmothers raising children. And so we decided to go over there and invite children from there to come. And uh, the response was immediate and overwhelming, and we had right away. We had thirty children ready to come to our children's Bible club, and that's so. So we started that, and that community was called McCree Town at that time. Um, a few years ago, McCree Town was uh, completely removed as far as all of the buildings. Um, a home developer came in, um, tore down the old homes, built new homes, and then now it's a community called Botanical Heights. We had invested ministry for several years in many of the families in that community. And now they, uh, they live in South St. Louis in North St. Louis. Some of them even end up in parts of North County, Pagedale and um, other areas and we have continued to have ministry with many of those families so a lot of our young people come from communities outside of the location of the church here which is the shaw neighborhood um, although we do have some families from this community we have many that are really quite a ways from the church um, so it's a bit of a mixture we have some People who live in the county that have continued to drive back, and then we watched many families for years move to the county and um, and become actively involved in in other churches. And we are very proud of the fact that that many of the suburban churches have people that still call Compton Heights their home church, and um, that have continued to have an interest, even some financial support and certainly prayerful support for the ministry that we do here. So um, those people are very special to us as well.
0: Mm -hmm. So do um, the people who come from kind of further away that you were mentioning that your church has ministered to, do they come as family units and and drive here? Or do, do you, does the church go out and bring people here? We we pick
1: up um, we we have Sunday morning transportation, okay. and um, and we, we have individuals in our church that are very faithful to use their vehicles, mainly minivans. We we also have a fifteen passenger van, and um, we. So, so we pick up a number, especially young people that do not have uh, parents that would be driving them uh, to the church. We have a few families that come as a family unit um, that, um, that drive in, but we do provide transportation for. And it's kind of interesting because when, when McCree Town was no longer and the families were moved, For a time, I felt that um, it's that that we need to reach new families. And and we talked with some of them about some of the churches that were close to them, encouraged them to become involved in in churches, people that had had to move quite a ways away. But we had children that were going to summer camps with us, involved in our children's Bible club. and they would call us like they used to do. They would call and say, um, uh, Pastor Sapp, I want to uh, want to come to church tomorrow. I want to come to Sunday school. Can you come and pick us up? And they were a long way away. And for, for a time, we said, well, we're really not able to come that far. And I remember a particular Sunday morning getting a call from an 11-year-old girl that had been coming to our children's Bible club since she was four years old, which is the youngest age that we would involve. And, uh, and, and she, I can still hear Briquisha's voice saying, Pastor Sapp, would you please come and pick me up for church tomorrow morning? And somehow that phone call spoke to my heart and I, I really felt like God has allowed us to invest in these families, and yes, they're a long way away, but we need to get rid of that big yellow school bus, get some smaller vehicles and and continue to pick up that these young people, especially and um and so God enabled us to do that and and we're still doing it today and one of the things I'm most thankful for is the longevity of ministry that God has given to us with some of the families that, that we have. Um, we go to a summer camp. We, we kind of have our, our own retreat in Illinois, but, but we go to a camp every July called Kids Across America Camp. It's a, just a wonderful Christian sports camp beyond Branson down on Table Rock Lake and we have one family, because they have adult uh, weekend retreats down there as well as camps for kids, we have one family that we have taken five generations to Kids Across America camp. And last summer, um, the youngest of those generations, a, a little boy named Martavion, um, 11 years old, went, went to that camp. And he was the fifth generation in his family to attend Kids Across America camp. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm so thankful for being able to be, for us as a church, church family and ministry, to be able to be in the lives of families for that long of, of uh, time. So I'm really glad God redirected us. Um, to minister to the families that live further away. Honestly, uh, another piece I think of your question is uh, our ministry to the people that are really close. Uh, through the years, we've had people right here on Rus- Russell Boulevard that have just walked across the street and participated in our church. And we have a couple of families now that are very close like that, 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 that come over. Um, but I think one of one of our challenges and one of our needs is more outreach real close to where we are. Um, I think we focused very heavily on those that have been involved for quite a while, wherever they are, and uh, perhaps a bit to the neglect of, of, of some of the blocks that are just so close to us. And uh, we have a lot of people that live right here. and uh, So I appreciate you asking that question because it reminds me as a pastor um, of some of the ministry that I think is needed right, right here at home.
0: Yeah. Wendy, um, how did you become a Christian? I am um,
1: very fortunate to um, have a wonderful Christian mother. Um, and um, we, she, she was very careful to take us to church and be involved in church with us. We moved from a farm in West Central Illinois when I was seven years old to a small town, Bluffs, Illinois, where I grew up from seven to graduating from high school. Um I grew up going to church hearing the Bible stories singing the songs and um and it was it was pretty important to me to go to church on Sunday even when I was uh, in my early teens but um I uh, uh at at age 14 my mother told me that she was concerned about some of the, some of my lifestyle uh, I was kind of going down some paths that a lot of teenage boys uh, do My language was not um, you know, it was I, I talked like some of the other um, uh, Boys in my town um, um, I Was um, introduced to drinking alcohol when i was just 14 years old and kind of was fascinated with some of that um yeah, yeah i just had some lifestyle things that were very concerning uh especially to my mother and and she shared with me that when i was 14 she prayed to god um kind of like as i remember her sharing with me lord I've done what I know to do with Wendy, and I'm just leaving him in your hands. I'm turning him over to you. Um, When I was 17 years old, I went to, I I wasn't attending a Baptist church. Um, I appreciate the church that I was attending, but um, I was uh, invited to go and hear a missionary speak by one of my high school classmates and um and he was a teammate and actually uh, his mother was a his mother was a uh, cook at our high school and i remember going through line uh the line on on friday and hearing my friend gerald's mother say to him gerald did you invite wendy to come and hear the missionary speak sunday evening and i lived right around the corner from the baptist church and um and he said no i hadn't and so she gave me the invitation and i went on sunday evening and uh it was a positive experience i remember hearing this late uh missionary from china sharing about uh, um, the ministry that they were involved in and had a table at the front of the church with a lot of the chinese artifacts and interesting things and it was very interesting to me but what i really remember was after church one of the men in the church came up to me and said, um, Wendy, there's uh, a revival going to be this week out at the Bloomfield Baptist Church, which was seven miles in, out in the country south of our little town. I'd never heard of the Bloomfield Baptist Church, although I learned later that I had classmates that were that went there every Sunday. It was a very small church church. Built in the in the middle of a field, just along a gravel road, and farming families attended the church. Um, I told him he invited me to come, and I and I told him that uh, uh, I just might do that. And he squeezed me a little tighter and said, "Well." By the way, this this man was very supportive of our high school sports programs. I mean, he was there cheering us on, and I knew that. And that affected the way I answered him because I I was aware he was very supportive of what I thought was the most important thing in my life, my high school sports and my friends. and My friends, my family, and sports were what I was really into in high school. And uh, so... When he uh, he said, I'm not looking for a, a maybe, I'm looking for a commitment. And so I said, okay, John, I'll be there tomorrow evening. And so I went out and um, I heard the gospel. I heard the good news. And, uh, and I did some heavy reflecting on the fact that God was... Um, God had done something very, very special for me. He had given his son to die for my sins. And I didn't have to look very far to know that I was a sinner. Um, And uh, what happened on Monday night was I left the church. I had not made a commitment, but I was heavy under conviction. And I didn't even know what conviction was. I really didn't understand the work of the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit was working on me. And the next day, a Tuesday in school, all I could think about was that service I had been to the night before and how I'd committed to John to go one night, but I couldn't wait to go back on Tuesday night. I couldn't wait to go back to service and hear more. And I went back. Um, and heard the good news again. And when the invitation time was given on Tuesday night, I knew I need to make a commitment. But I was uh, I was very hesitant. No one had gone up yet on that at the end of that service. And I still remember the evangelist saying. Uh, and and I became very good friends with Bill Smith, who was a. An area, a local pastor pastored more than 50 years at the Hillview Baptist Church, and he was the, the guest evangelist, but wonderful man. And I, I recall him saying, You know, I, I really believe that there are some here tonight that are feeling that they need to make a commitment to the Lord. And maybe you're hesitant for whatever reason. And I, and I guess my reason, for one thing, doing anything in front of a group of people scared me to death. And um, so walking up in a church service wasn't, I, I was just kind of holding on to the to the back of the pew in front of me as many have said. Um, and we were singing that wonderful hymn of commitment just as I am. And the words of the song spoke to me greatly. Um, And so did his words. And he said, I I can promise you, if you're feeling that way and you take, if you'll take the first step, God will lead you the rest of the way. Uh, When he said that, I knew I could take one step. And uh, so I stepped out. And just as he said it would be, it was easy the rest of the way down. And he and the pastor of the Bloomfield Baptist Church uh, talked with me. It was very obvious that I had come to make a commitment to Christ, and they helped me in that and led me in praying a prayer of asking God to forgive me of my sins and helping me to live my life for Christ. And uh, I was pretty overwhelmed. I was one who even thinking about it right now, moistens my eyes, uh, but the tears flowed. And I wasn't exactly sure why that was true, but uh, my burden of sin was lifted away. And I just, I felt it lifted and they were tears of joy. And there were people there that had known me since I was seven years old and had watched me playing sports and um so forth and and uh I didn't realize it, but they were i mean they were they were overwhelmed with joy because they were seeing this high school athlete giving his heart to christ, and I had classmates and teammates there one of the biggest, fastest boys in my high school that was his home church where he had made his own commitment to Christ as a as a younger boy, and so um, so it was quite an experience. And I did not realize when I left the church that night what a change was going to come over me. Um, I I didn't realize it, but I felt good. I felt the burden of sin lifted away. Uh, the church service ended around eight forty-five. We left the church about nine o'clock and as was very common in small towns, uh, especially, I think, when, you know, later at night, we would just drive around the town. I mean, we just drove around the same streets. And I remember being with some of my friends who, whom I, um, one, one of the other habits that I had picked up very young was smoking cigarettes and, uh, and man, you know, athletes weren't supposed to smoke. And, um, uh, and I had developed the habit, I inhaled and, and developed the habit of smoking cigarettes at 11 years old. That was one of the great concerns that my mother had. And um, so now I'm 17 years old. So six years I've been habitually smoking. I had tried to stop several times. I, I really didn't want to do it, but nicotine is—it it will hook you, and I was hooked. And um, just as a young man, and one of the things I remember that night when we were driving around town was one of my good friends saying, "Wendy, don't you want a cigarette?" And and I said no, and and he kind of laughed, but this friend kind of laughed and said, "Well, I guess since you did that thing at church tonight." you're gonna try to quit again. And I remember I said, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna try to quit. The only thing I know is right now, I don't feel like I want one. And I figured it would be a real battle. And the next day, no desire, no desire to smoke. And the next day, same. Never again did I have even a desire to smoke a cigarette. And that was one of the things God used to show me; He, had, He was making changes on the inside of me. I, I mean, the Holy Spirit comes into our life when we make that commitment, and begins changing us on the inside, from the inside out. And that was great evidence to me because it had been a battle for me, and I didn't want it in my life, but I couldn't win the battle. Well, he did it for me. I had never, ever again a desire to smoke a cigarette. Also, I noticed my language began changing immediately. Um, Not to say that never did a bad word come out of my mouth, but um, I just noticed right away I, I especially did not want to use God's name in vain and didn't and god helped me with that and my friends began to see the change and i was really happy that i had a year and a half of high school left Uh, april seventeenth, 1965 tuesday evening that's when my commitment to christ took place And and i watched the changes happen in my life and and one other that i'd like to mention was um my family lived uh, in, in a mobile home. And we had a yard and next door to us was an elderly lady named May, named May. And uh, my friends were a real menace to May. We rode our bicycles through the corner of her yard, which meant going through her flowers. Um, we, we had done she, she didn't really enjoy my friends and I, nor did we enjoy her, and we had done some mean things to her. Um, the very next day, I remember passing by May's house on the sidewalk and she was sweeping her porch. And I smiled at her and greeted her. I just said, hi, May. And she looked at me with a confused look on her face. And from then on, I became a friendly neighbor to our next door neighbor. And I told my friends, don't ride your bicycles through maize flowers. Um, you know, that whole relationship changed completely. But my relationship to other people changed completely. Um, some of the down and outers in my high school that, that people uh, sometimes made fun of, they were, they were poorer. Um, um, those people became special to me. And I wanted to be a good friend to them. And I noticed that as a real difference in my life. So there were a lot of changes and I just I thank God for the man that invited me to that church service. I thank God for the faithful pastor that led that service. And I thank God for that little country church that probably some point had a business meeting and made a decision We're a very small congregation. Should we invite Bill Smith to come and lead a revival at our church? I'm thankful that they voted yes to do that and that I got to be a part of it. I'm just so grateful.
0: You mentioned going to the um, revival meeting and hearing the good news or, or hearing the gospel. And just for anyone who might not be familiar with those terms who might be listening, you're referring to Jesus dying for sins that we can be forgiven and reconciled with God, as, as far as gospel. Is that correct? And, and that is that is very correct. One, one of my favorite
1: verses is Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen and eighteen words of the apostle Paul. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come, and all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Um, yeah, I I think reconciled is a is a right at the heart of of what happens. Um, sin separates us from God it, it it has a separating effect because God is a holy God and um, and when we ask God to forgive us of our sins and put our faith in his son who died on the cross for us um, we become reconciled to him I, I we that gives us a special relationship to him, a relationship of friendship and a relationship of lordship um, where we have a desire to live for him and to serve him and to uh, speak a word of testimony for him when we have opportunity to do that. And uh, so um, there's a lot of difference in which I found out a lot of difference in knowing, God, knowing about God and knowing God. And so I had learned about God, which I'm so grateful for. And, I, and I'm grateful for those at that, that Methodist church in my hometown that, that taught me many wonderful things. I'm just uh, so thankful that I had the opportunity then to know God and know Him personally and, uh,
0: and to be able to serve Him You mentioned feeling your guilt lifted and I think that's a common experience I mean I experienced that when I was 18 and I was just home alone in my room and asking God to save me from what I had become because I had become just a sinful person and, and realized it and I also remember my grandfather talking about just—he was in the field working, and just that guilt being lifted from him. I think that's just accompanies that spiritual experience of conversion, where you know it's—I it's, guess it's the way I understand it—is it's like God's Spirit communicating to us that we are forgiven. So it's not just something we read but it's something that we feel yeah. yes yes that's that's so very true and 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 i guess
1: that's why some of us um become emotional when that takes place in our life because that um the guilt is lifted um the shame um and um it's just a great feeling to feel God's forgiveness and of course that continues we we know that um, confession is um, is, a, is a regular part of our daily relationships with God and um, uh, we are not simply forgiven one time and forever we have to confess our sins and and be forgiven as we live our life and and it's still a wonderful thing uh, of um, knowing God's forgiveness and God's grace in our life. Um, yeah. I, I remember, you, you mentioned, Will, your, um, and, I, and I wasn't certain just how that took place. I'm ha- happy to hear you, you share that at this time, but, um, but I remember seeing a great difference in your life and uh uh, that was uh that was a wonderful thing i know for you and i know it's a wonderful thing for your family and it was for our church family as well so um seeing people's lives changed for christ is uh it's a great encouragement it's it's a that encourages everybody around us and that's
0: um, that's great well, how did you become a pastor, Wendy? Well, um, our little church in,
1: in town, and, and I might just add at this point, just a, a few weeks after that revival took place in the little church seven miles south of town, um, the Baptist church in town, had their own revival service it was springtime and and at that time uh, in the spring most of the Baptist churches had a one or two week uh, revival and uh, and during, and so I looked forward to going every evening and invited friends and saw some of my friends make the commitment to Christ and and so that was a, that was a really uh, wonderful spring time, my junior year in high school. Um, and during that revival, I felt uh, God leading me to become a part of, of the Baptist church in, in my hometown. And one of the things that they did in the, in the next few months, it was, it was the beginning of my senior year of high school was um, the pastor suggested to the church, and the leaders in that church uh, agreed it would be a good idea to have uh, a Sunday evening service where the the whole service was led by the young people, the high school students in the church. And I remember the pastor coming and telling me um, uh, that... Uh, uh, the the deacons and the church leadership had uh, would like to have this service and and uh, I remember nodding to him that oh, that sounds like a good idea and and um, he was naming some of the things that that high school students could do take up the offering and uh, read scripture and have prayer and lead the music and and I was just nodding in agreement all all along, and then I'll never forget how I felt when he said, "And we'd like to know if you would bring the message, deliver the sermon." And I tell you, my um, uh, I think my face got a little bit red, and 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 I felt my knees and legs get weak under me because. I had a uh, I had a real fear of speaking to groups of people, and uh, so it was a very scary thought. But I didn't say no to him. I didn't say no. I don't think I can do that, or I don't want to do that. I think uh, I think God gave me a little bit of uh, strength about that, and. I'd have to say I reluctantly agreed to do to do it, and um, that was three or four weeks before the date that had been set for that Sunday evening service, and uh, and every day I would wake up thinking about oh I'm going to be doing this sermon, and so I so it was it was a lot of fear. Um, And, um, but however, with uh, encouragement from my pastor, uh, had a wonderful pastor at that church. He was only at our church for about two and a half years, uh, Reverend James Westbecker. And he was, uh, he was a wonderful encourager And, and he encouraged me and he talked with me some about how he prepared his sermons and so forth. But. I had ordered just um, a, a little bit of time before that I had, uh, a, a Christian magazine that someone had given to me that was the, I found the opportunity to um, order several tracks of Billy Graham messages. And I had a whole stack of them. And I thought, well, there's got to be some good help here. And so I was, remember sorting through those tracks. And one of them I came upon uh, was, was a great help to me. And it was, uh, it was on uh, using our time, our talents, and our treasures for God. And it had scriptures to back each of those thoughts. And so I really used that outline and those scriptures and put together a message that turned out to be about 15 minutes in length uh for that service and and the the service turned out to be a very positive experience Uh, a lot of people that did not attend the baptist church came to that service and um uh, word kind of got around that i was doing the sermon that night and uh, and so some of the people that supported me as an athlete came and supported all of our young people uh, in the church leading, leading the service. And it was packed, <clears throat> which made it even a little scarier experience for me. But I do recall, um, so I was, I was 18 at the time, and, and, and a senior in high school, and I do recall beginning the message by saying that no matter how nervous I get tonight and no matter how red my face gets and I already could feel the heat from it, <laughs> um, that I am thankful for this opportunity to speak a word for God. And that's how it started. And, um, and, and with God's help, I felt like it went fairly well, even though it was a kind of a, a nervous nervously given message I'm sure Um, so that was my first sermon I hadn't felt a call to ministry uh, although I think God used that and in in the weeks that followed I did I began to feel inside of me that there's something more here and um I was already making plans to go to a local college. My um, my my brother was on the football team at Illinois College, which was in Jacksonville, Illinois, just twenty miles away. I had uh, had a meeting with the coach, and I had applied for school there, um, and uh, was looking forward to that. Um, as I had these feelings about something more, I. I Uh, Ask for, and I shared a little bit about that with my pastor after church, and he and his wife invited me up to their apartment to just talk about it. And uh, so on Sunday evening after church, I went up to their apartment. We had something to eat. We visited about it. He shared with me. I think he sensed that I might be being called to full-time ministry. And so he shared with me about his call to ministry, which is very interesting, involved him going back and finishing high school as an adult, he and his wife both. But um, hearing about his call was very helpful. And what I remember most was before we left and he prayed with me about what I was feeling, but I remember him saying, he said, you know, Wendy, um one thing I can tell you for certain is that if as long as we desire to know God's will for our life and we are willing to follow his will, he will always make it clear to us. And I knew that I wanted to know his will for my life. And I knew I was willing to follow it when I did know it. So I left there still not making any commitment, but just I had a great assurance that everything's going to be okay. I'm going to know. And that was on Sunday evening. And the next evening was Monday evening. And it was our, on the, on the first Monday of every month, we had an associational youth rally where many of the churches in the association brought their youth together to one of the churches. And um, we had music, we had a message, we had young people giving testimonies. Um, and at that youth service, the message was... Um, it, it was actually a teacher that gave the message, but he was a lay preacher. And, and it was a great message. And it, I felt like he could have taken me into a room and just been talking to me. And, and it, it, it had to do with God calling people out for his service and so forth. And at the end of the service, I had that very same feeling that I had had at the Bloomfield Baptist Church on Tuesday night when I, when I knew I needed to make a commitment. And I knew what it was. I, God was calling me to ministry, which I didn't fully understand that, but it was clear. And so when the invitation for commitments was given, I remember walking, down the aisle and sharing with the speaker and the pastor, I I believe God's calling me to ministry. And in my mind, pastoring was the only ministry that I really knew or thought of. Although later God would give me opportunities to be involved in ministry that involved youth ministry and recreation and senior adults and campus ministry which is what i was doing full-time when this church called me to be their pastor in 1985. i had done seven years of campus ministry with college students and all of the ministry i had done i felt had helped to prepare me for the various kinds of ministry that i would that i would do here and so that's that's how that all unfolded. And so I changed my college plans. Uh, not long after that, I was given an opportunity to go and visit what then was called Southwest Baptist College in Bolivar, Missouri, and to visit for a weekend. And when I made that visit, although they did not have a football team at that time, uh, I knew after that weekend, that this is where God is leading me to go to school and to pursue the calling of ministry, which is what I had the wonderful opportunity of Christian education and uh, classes in biblical studies and uh, social work and. And physical education, I, I, you know, I continued to uh, kind of pursue that as well, and I took coaching classes and so forth, and all of that together has been a great help to me. I think, of course, my college education was followed up by um, seminary education, and uh, so I'm just very, very grateful for all of those opportunities.
0: Well, kind of turning more toward your own you know, personal life and your, your walk with the God is um, what do you base your confidence on when it comes to the Bible, the Christian faith, and so forth being true? Like here listening to you, um, it seems like it might be I would think it's probably your experience of God, those experiences you've had where you felt his presence and so forth, but it may be something different. But anyway, do you have any thoughts about that? Um,
1: We've we've talked a little bit about about feeling. Um, From the very beginning, uh, I I felt uh, a great presence of God. I didn't. I didn't totally understand it. We we spoke earlier about uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit. I I think the most uh, the biggest confidence builder in living the Christian life and in pastoring and doing ministry is the strength and the power of God through His Holy Spirit. Um, and through His Holy Word, I have found that uh, the Scripture lives, um, that God's Word, even though it was penned um, and shared so many, many years ago, uh, is alive and well today. And um, so I think it's the presence of the Holy Spirit and, and the strength of, of God's Word. When we look in the Scripture and we see that um, people experience the challenges, the, the disappointments, uh, the failures, uh, just like we're still experiencing today. And when they called upon God, God was there for them, and God led them through difficult times. And um, um, the experiences of God's Word in people's lives um, was true then, and it's true today, and I think it continues to teach us, give us great lessons for life, and uh, it's truth. and. Uh, I, I just find that amazing. Uh, uh, God's Word is an amazing thing, and God's Holy Spirit is an amazing thing, but um, I'd never make it as a pastor if it were not for, for those two things, um, especially, but also people, uh, other pastors, uh, Professors that I've had, seeing their lives and hearing their teachings, um, have been great testimony to um, for what it takes to continue to do ministry and uh, and and the believers, um, people that I've seen, you know, walking out their faith. In Christ, people in this church, uh, uh, y- you will remember some of the. I, you know, I want to say some of the saints. I mean, some of the wonderful, faithful people that were a part of this church for so many years, uh, including your own, your own parents and uh, and and many others who were. You think of the deacons um, back then uh, that were that were a part of this church, and uh, so the testimony of of the believers uh, is, gives great confidence in continuing to live out the Christian faith and and to live out Christian ministry and uh, con- continue to be a pastor. Uh, you'll you'll remember well. Um, not only a, a wonderful deacon in this church, but was actually a neighbor of you and your family, Will um, Glenn Evans, uh, and Glenn was just a prince of a prince of a man, a great testimony of Christian faith. But I remember going and visiting him in about the fourth or fifth year of pastoring here. And um, he and his wife wanted to um, make a uh, a designated uh, contribution to the church for just helping needy families, for helping families in need, uh, um, a benevolent offering. And uh, I remember when they gave me a check to the church for that, and said, um, uh, Glenn, Glenn said, "Now when when this runs low, let us know, and we can we can continue to give to it." And w- one of the most encouraging things that I heard and it, and it came at a good time because... I was experiencing just a little bit of discouragement about um, what I felt uh, progress uh, progress that I felt needed we needed to be making at the church and and we weren't at the time and um, and I, and I remember Glenn saying to me when he gave me that check he said he he called me preacher and he said he said you know preacher it very well could be that there's a greater need for our church in in that community at this time, now more than there has ever been. And when I left in hearing those words, which obviously I've never forgotten them, uh, it was just such a great encouragement that he who had been in the church for so long felt like, we may have a greater need now than we've ever had. And in many ways, I found that to be true because we became a, um, a, a, a ministering church in reaching out to the needs of people and helping uh, people and in uh, benevolent ministry as well as uh, sharing the good news of Christ and, uh, and the gospel. Uh, so, those are, I, I, I think, three things that have been great confidence builders uh, for me. Uh, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, um, the example of uh, wonderful Christian people that have lived their life for, for Christ in faithfulness all the way to the end. And Those folks inspire me. I enjoy being around them. I've always enjoyed being around the seniors of, of the church in, in the faith. And our church at this time, we we do not have a large number of older people. And um, so I, I look back on those years as, uh, you know, they, they continue to inspire me today. So um,
0: there we go. Is um, there any particular, like, when do you feel uh, that you're interacting with God or what you feel closest to God? Is it during any particular activity or um, anything come to mind concerning that? Oh, gosh. Um,
1: I, I th- you, you, if you feel you are preaching or you have preached a message that's really reached, and, and maybe you even see results by people coming and making commitments, or coming for prayer, or renewing their faith in Christ um, during a during an effective message. At the end of effective message, you 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 certainly feel a special closeness to God. I think and. Um, um, sometimes the closest I feel to God is when I'm alone with Him and just in times of prayer or reading His Word. Um, sometimes when I go and visit a family and have the opportunity to gather whoever is maybe home at the time and, and um, and pray with them or share words of encouragement. I feel God in those circumstances very, very much. Um, I have felt a great closeness to God sometimes at a funeral service where the person has lived out their faith. And uh, there is a wonderful confirmation of the promises of God after we leave this earth that I have felt at times um, at a funeral or a memorial service for someone who's lived their life for Christ. And it's like the confirming power of the Holy Spirit is present. And um, uh, that's, a, that's a very special closeness to God, I think. Um, yeah.
0: This is kind of broad, but what have you learned about God over the years? Anything in particular come to mind with that question? Well,
1: one of the things that I've learned is that um, God is able to do. Uh, God is able to do some some big things. Meet meet some big challenges and. Um, I, I have learned not to, if, if, if some opportunity comes, um, not to immediately think, well, I can't do that or our church can't do that, um, that's too big for us. I've learned that God desires to do bigger things than sometimes our minds. Think of and and I can think of some some examples. uh, Think of some examples of that. Uh, um, One being a um, going back quite a ways. I'm thinking it was. uh, I'm I'm thinking it was 1990 when we had a team from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association come and lead us in a crusade here at our church. Uh, Ralph Bell was one of Billy Graham's evangelists and uh, <clears throat> he was the speaker for, for that crusade. And it, it, it required uh, several committees. Uh, we, we had home prayer meetings uh, leading up to that uh we did a lot of things to promote it um it just seemed like a when when we first heard everything that we were going to need to do in preparation for it it seemed much bigger than than us but we had people that stepped up and took responsibility for learning to be counselors for um, directing the home prayer services uh, for the promotion and and th- our people were very willing and we had a wonderful uh, crusade I think it was uh, I think it was about five or six services and um, and we had people come to Christ during that time that we had been praying for in in the church um We had one man that that we had prayed for for some time. He was regular in attendance but had not um, received the grace of Christ in his life and opened up his heart to Christ. And We had some big balloons out um, just waving uh, in in the wind to kind of help promote the fact that we were having something special at the church. And on the on the night that Ed walked down the aisle to make that commitment to Christ, as he was walking down the aisle, we heard this big pop outside, and one of the balloons had burst, and it was, it, it was so loud it sounded like um, a cherry bomb or a gunshot. And it was right as Ed was walking down the aisle and we all thought, you know, God was just giving us an extra celebration for the commitment that he was making. But we had a number of commitments to Christ and renewals of faith in Christ uh, during that crusade. It was, uh, it was a great thing. Another example was, I, I was in the, down in the kitchen uh, one day and the phone rang, and I answered it, and it was, a, it was a, uh, someone from a, a Christian organization called YouthWorks. And um, um, the, the gentleman was calling from uh, out of state, I forget what city he was in, but he was a regional director looking for a location in St. Louis to be involved in their summer uh, ministry and he started out by telling me that the youth pastor at a large church out in the county had given my name and our church name to him to contact <clears throat> and uh, about this and he was looking for a church that would be the home church for high school students to come and stay while they did ministry in St. Louis. And we've we've been a ministering and mission church and uh, hosted summer missionaries and all of this was sounding very good to me. Um, and, and, And then I asked him some questions. I said, well, now how many would be staying at our church? And he said, well, usually it would be Uh, 55 to 70. Well, we'd had 25 or 30 at the most at times stay here, but never 55 to 70. And I said, and for how many weeks would this take place? And he said, it would be for nine weeks during the summer. And I said, so you're saying that for nine weeks we would have 55 to 70 people staying at our church. And he said, yes, that's that's right. And they would be going out every day and doing ministry and so forth. And I thought, oh, man, that's bigger than us. And and my my immediate response was almost to say, I, I, I think you're going to need to get in touch with a, another church to ha- be able to handle all of that. But it was like, God's Spirit said to me, hear this out. And so the conversation ended with, well, listen, why don't you come to St. Louis and look at our facility, number one, and see if it would fit your needs. And and secondly, I I have several other questions I would like to ask, and I know that leaders in our church would want to ask as well. And so we left it like that and and he came and uh, someone else came with him. We had a meeting, I had leaders come and we asked a lot of questions. He shared a lot of information and in the end of it, we felt like, you know, this is, uh, I mean, we would be hosting high school students who are in many ways sharing the good news and meeting needs in the community. and we really ended up feeling like this is a great opportunity that God has given to us. And for seven summers, seven summers in a row, uh, our classrooms were filled with high school students, sleeping bags, air mattresses. Our kitchen was used for preparing meals. Fellowship hall was used for worship and and eating meals and so forth. And, and, uh, I mean, it was this place was uh, uh, was like an anthill of activity, uh, and so we were just very happy to host this wonderful, wonderful ministry for those seven for those seven summers. Uh, a great opportunity for us. That's a couple of examples, and there there are many many more. But um, uh, I, I, at this point, I'm not. Exactly remembering the question that you asked me, well, but i'm um, I remember where it took me, but anyway, uh, it, seeing God do big, big things, um, we've seen it many times over and um, and I did mention earlier, and maybe this is a good place to interject this, but uh, the the ministry that we have done here, we have had, a lot of help to do it. We've had help from former members. Um, we we were trying to put it, we, we needed a new heating system about three years ago. One of our heating units went completely out and it was costly. it was going to cost beyond what we had and we started a little fund to, okay, so we're going to go without heat in that area of the church until we can do this. and. Uh, and we had this fund. So one of our ladies in our church, the oldest member of our church, um, she sends one of our bulletins where we have this information about this fundraising for it to a former member that she sometimes had contact with. And um, it was a lady that this is her home church. She grew up in this church. And now she and her husband, some of her family, live in California. And Juanita sent this bulletin to her, and she saw that. And right away, she contacted us and indicated that they would be sending a check toward that. And the check that they sent went a few hundred dollars over what we needed to put the heating unit in. And immediately, we we have a gentleman in our church that is an HVAC man and immediately he went out bought the materials installed it himself and boom we've had heat back in that area ever since then but um, we've had summer missionaries we've had mission teams we have other churches that contact us and say we, we want to help out in the city, but we don't know how to do it. But if you're doing something that we can help you with, we want to do that. And I've mentioned our Children's Bible Club. Um, it's been going now since 1990. And we have uh, two teams that come in every month. One is First Baptist Church of Maryville, Illinois, which, of course, uh, your sister and your brother-in-law had wonderful ministry at for several years. And that was our first contact with them was through Fred and Cindy. And um, and and still, since then, they have been helping us out. And, uh, and they bring a team every month and lead uh, 30 to 40 children in Bible stories, games, provide a nice meal for them. And most of all, just share Christian love with them and share the good news of Christ, that God loves these children. Uh, he knows them. He has a plan for their life. And um, um, they're a wonderful help. And, and we have uh, another team that comes from, most of the people live in uh, West County. Um, and, um, and they come and 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 lead a very similar kind of children's bible club uh program so god has always sent us people to help us do the ministry here and that's been a wonderful wonderful blessing it's great for us
0: what's your daily routine like or are there any disciplines um, that help you in being effective um in your life as a pastor and and just you know, making the most of each day and, you know, that type of thing? Yeah. Um, reading and praying would probably
1: be at the top of that list. Um, I, I, I have uh, some prayers that are very important to me and uh, um, I may not cover all of them every day, but it is my goal to, pray these prayers and, and I start with the prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples to pray when they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave them the Lord's prayer. And my mother said the Lord's prayer with my brothers and sister and I when we were very, very small. My first, my f- first learning about God came from the words of the Lord's Prayer, which I think is a great place to start because it talks about doing God's will and how wonderful God is and, and forgiving others and that God forgives us and asking God, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. And I meditate on that prayer. For instance, deliver us from evil. I, I pray God... Um, deliver me from evil thoughts evil attitudes evil words and evil actions and i think evil can come in all of those you know all four of those ways um and and help me with temptation and um, and and so forth every phrase of that prayer has a little meditation to it and um um, and then a prayer that was very, very um, important to my to my mother and um, and later to my stepfather as well um, is the serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. While it's not straight out of the Bible, it has very biblical principles, and it's a very short prayer, but a very meaningful prayer to me. And then um, also the prayer of Jabez back in the Old Testament, uh, which asks for God's blessings on our life. And um and there again um, for God to keep us from evil. And um uh and 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 to uh, enlarge our territories. Uh, So I find that is a wonderful prayer. uh, A while back, uh, that prayer got a lot of attention. Some people thought more attention than it deserved, but um, uh, a book was written about it. I read that book and um, I've, I've found it to become very meaningful in my prayer life And then another that is not exactly a prayer, but in the Scripture, in Galatians 5, 22, 23, the Apostle Paul gives um, the fruit of the Spirit and and, and mentions those specifically love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I kind of put that into a prayer of, God, let your Holy Spirit be in my life and be my guide so that I might bear the fruit of your Spirit. And then I mention each of the nine and ask God to help me to bear fruit for Him. And I know that my capability of doing that is through His presence in my life or His Holy Spirit in my life so that's some of my prayer life there there are specific needs and prayers um, in our church family in my own family Um, specific needs and people that i pray for and then also for myself Um, i enjoy reading it, it seems that um, that's something I feel I, I need to do more of. Um, I like to read some of the daily devotional guides that I know fellow Christians are reading, like Open Windows, which is provided by um, Southern Baptist uh, uh, through Lifeway. And uh, I like to read that. And then there's another very similar one called Our Daily Bread, I have a a friend that uh, always provides me with with our daily bread. Um, And I enjoy reading those devotions and and they have a little prayer with them. Um, um, My favorite pastor to read is, is a pastor that's pastored a long time at the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in Brooklyn, New York. And his name is... Jim Simbala, and uh, some say Simbala, but he pronounces it Simbala, so I'll follow his lead. And it's a large Assembly of God church, right, very, very urban, reaching all kinds of people. And his main emphasis is on prayer and the Holy Spirit. And um, he's written several books and I, some of them I read over just for the guidance and for the inspiration Um, I I love having contact with with people and so um, calling people and texting people um, people that are part of the congregation I, I want people to know that I'm available if they uh, have a need if, uh, if they have a family member in the hospital or that's going through a difficult time I, I uh, want them to know that I'm available and um, um, I, you know, I want to be their pastor and that they can call on me and not feel like oh he's too busy for this or to um, come and see a family member sometimes I have I, I have people that will call me and say they have a friend that um, is having a difficult time or is in the hospital. Uh, would you pray for them? And I like for my response to be, uh, if they're in the hospital, where where are they? And, um, and take the time to go and visit a friend of a member. Um, our youngest son is a, is a medical chaplain at a, a, at a medical center in San Diego, and uh, so I I often think about him when I'm making those hospital visits. I mean, he's in the hospital dealing with sickness and often death with families day in and day out, and uh, so uh, uh, I, I, I feel like, hey, if he's doing that, I I can make the visits that are that are necessary or needed um, we do a lot of ministry of helping people um, if you know sometimes going to a family and taking food to a family is part of the daily needs and the daily ministry of the church we're a very small church uh, we have uh, uh really all of our ministry is volunteer ministry um i have a small housing allowance that i receive from the church no one else at this time is paid any kind of uh, financial compensation for what they do at the church our music ministry um uh, our custodial work uh Occasionally, we do have um, one or two people that do some some custodial work that we compensate them for, but not on a regular basis. And uh, so, uh, I do I do some maintenance, some custodial work. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes I'm uh, cleaning up a bathroom and I'm thinking, man, they didn't warn me about this when I was a seminary student. So, uh, but. But that's part of service and I'm happy to do that. I don't, I don't do it begrudgingly. I'm glad for the opportunity, you know. So hopefully I've answered your question somewhat.
0: Well, there's, and just in wrapping up, there's a question I've asked the previous people I've had conversations with for this podcast and I'll ask you this too. If you could go back to any period in your life and say something to yourself, um, at what point do you think you would go back and what would you say? Um,
1: now, you, you, you mean to maybe make
0: something different? Or the, or, oh No, I or, mean like um, something you know now that you wish you could tell a younger version of yourself. Um, just something that you've learned through life that you would have liked to have known then, I guess, is kind of what the, the okay. question I, is about.
1: One, one thing that comes to my mind immediately, I, I think, is I, I shared earlier about having great trepidation about speaking to more than one person, <laughs> I guess. But... but um, I had some experiences when I was very young where I was called upon. One was in the eighth grade, and um, and I was captain of the basketball team. And so when the the banquet came around in the spring, the captain of the basketball team was required to give a little speech at the banquet with parents and coaches and, of course, all the players and cheerleaders and everything. And... And, and I just, I mean, I couldn't hardly eat thinking about that I was going to have to do that. And I remember they had a nice meal at the banquet before everybody that spoke uh, spoke. And, and I, I couldn't even enjoy a bite of food because I was going to be standing up in front of them. And I, I got through it. Uh, but it was very difficult for me, and it was very obvious to everybody that it was difficult f- for me. So um, And then, when I was an eighth grader, like, and, and it, 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 in fact, in that same year, around that same time, an experience happened um, that that was really, very difficult we had a great high school basketball team and and i was a true follower and my stepfather never missed a game and they played 30 games that year that team i was an eighth grader but the high school team was so good and um, i saw all of their games but one and they had a large assembly the whole school first which in my school then, it was first grade through 12th grade. Everybody's in the gym, in the, sitting in the stands. And um, the basketball team came out and went through some of their drills and so forth. There was a high school teacher that was in charge of the assembly. And she, after the coaches spoke, she selected a few people to say some words. And I didn't know this was coming, but suddenly she pointed her finger at me, just sitting in the stands with all of the school present, and said, uh, Wendy Sapp, um, you, were high, you were captain of the grade school team, and I know that you've been a great fan of this team. Would you stand up and just say a word? I had no warning about it, so um, I stood up and and uh I couldn't say anything. And again, I, you know, felt my I could feel my ears glowing and my uh, knees were shaking. And I started hearing some of my classmates, and I started hearing some snickering and so forth. And the longer I stood, the worse it got. And it seemed like a long time. And I said nothing. I, I just stood there, petrified. And of course, greatly embarrassed. And finally, she said, well, um, go ahead and sit down and maybe I'll come back to you later. Thank God she didn't come back to me later. But, um, so, you know, I, I would, I would like to say to that guy, um with God's help, you, you can stand up and you can speak a word. You have some valuable things to say, some valuable experiences to share, and um, you can do it with confidence. But I couldn't then, for one thing, I, I, I didn't have the confidence and I didn't have God in my life to give me strength to overcome that. And I'm sure that without God in my life, um, the presence, the strength, the power of the Holy Spirit within me, I wouldn't be able to stand up and say a word effectively perhaps today. Um, But uh, I would have liked to have told that guy, everything is okay. Just stand up. man. I I I have talked on and on about that basketball team, that high school team, at times since then, and I can give statistics and talk about all the players and so forth. Uh, I couldn't speak a word at that time, but so I I would. That's an experience I would definitely like to change. But this person now would like to say a word to that person then. <laughs>
0: Well, it's been good to talk with you, Wendy. And I admire your Christian service and just the heart you have for the Lord and your longevity here as a pastor at Compton Heights. It's been really good just to hear about your life. So thank you. Well, thank you, Will, for giving me an
1: opportunity to share. And it's always good to see you, friend. Thanks. Thank you.